Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. It is autumn. We wait for the end. We wait for the armistice. We wait for peace. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello! Hey! Hey! Whoa! Whoa. I'm a Philip Hunter. And I'm Wayne Stellini, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Philip, we've got a special guest with us today. Welcome, Ash! Hello, Ash! Out there in podcast land. Hey, Ash. Welcome to Fred Watch. Thank you. I feel very welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Winning. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. And welcome to you all on this very special episode of Fred Watch. Our Anzac Day special. Yes. Yep. So, Philip, for our international listeners who might not be familiar with Australian or New Zealand history, what's Anzac Day? So, very briefly, Anzac Day is the 25th of April in Australia and New Zealand where we commemorate the landing of troops on the Gallipoli Peninsula in 1915. This was the first time that Australian and New Zealand forces had fought together or had even fought in a major war um, and is often seen by many historians and many people as the first time we proved ourselves as a nation in old worldy thinking. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of colonization and being a part of the British Empire after mm. invasion and so forth, we were only a country since 1901. So yeah, we're yeah. still so a baby was, country, it young was and our free. First war since Federation that we'd decided to go to, as opposed to the Boer War, which wow. we had been sent to. Right, yes. yes. Yeah, just to wrap it up, uh, it's a day that we commemorate, um, some people will say celebrate, but really we commemorate and remember those who fell um, in all wars from the Great War onwards. Okay, and in acknowledgement of the Great War, Mm -hmm. you've picked today's Anzac Day film. Yes, so I have brought for you guys... The 1979 run of All Quiet on the Western Front. Tell us about it, Janet. (laughs) All Quiet on the Western Front is a 1979 television film directed by Delbert Mann and produced by ITC Entertainment. It is based on the book of the same name by Eric Maria Remarque. It stars Richard Thomas as Paul Balmer an idealistic young man of 19 who joins the German army on the French front in World War I. Paul and several of his friends from school joined the army voluntarily after listening to the stirring patriotic speeches of their teacher, but are soon hit by the harsh realities of war as they are tutored in their baptism of fire by Kat, Ernest Borgnine, an old hand at the start of the war. Tension, sorrow and death are always just a bullet away and a sense of desolation, hardship and waste evolves from that patriotic beginning. The message of the futility of war sounds clear even within its title, the harrowing words that ended the Great War, all quiet on the Western Front. Wayne. Philip. What did you think of this classic film? 
Well, I'd heard of All Quiet on the Western Front mm -hmm. before, so I was aware of it. Had never seen it. It was admittedly on my to-do list. I wasn't aware that this particular film was made for television. And yes, yeah, I wasn't even aware that it had been previously filmed as well. <laughs> so I didn't know as much as I probably thought I had. Overall, it didn't feel like a TV movie for me, though. Mm. And I'm glad that I learned that after the fact. Uh, so it didn't impact the way I had viewed this yeah. at all. It's handsomely produced. Yes. I do like that there's nothing glorifying about war. Yes. In the film at all. It's not like American Sniper, which really, for me was that hoo-ha American patriotism. Yeah. Well, that was another one, Lone Survivor, with Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Oh, Same okay. thing, that's very yeah. pro-America, yeah. pro-war. Yeah. Pro-war. And sometimes when you're doing that, you've got this sort of hypo-masculinity mm. to yeah. push for. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I liked about this film and that really struck out to me was the different levels of masculinities within the men of this film, and that just makes them more human as yeah. well. Yes. Um, you know, they have feelings, they have these moral dilemmas, yeah. these complications, these complexities, they're real people. Yeah. And that's what makes the film quite effective. For, again, someone who really just knew of the title and nothing much more about the film, I'll be honest, I didn't even know which war it was set in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. came into it quite blindly. Yeah. And I'm grateful that I have seen it because it's a visually striking and quite effective film. Not quite perfect, but it is a really strong film, I feel. I was quite involved in this and I yeah. think more than I expected to be yeah. having seen quite a few war films in my time Ash what did you think? I mainly agree with you Wayne like that, it's a very well produced very well written movie um, the, the only thing that I would knock would be the performances all the performances were a little bit too over the top a lot of the people, except for Ernest Borgnine and I can't remember the other, the other main actor's name. Richard Thomas? Richard Thomas, that's the yeah. one. Um, yeah, I didn't feel like they were overacting at all, but every single supporting character was overacting to the top, and it kind of gave the movie a slight campy quality to me. Okay. I did notice a bit of melodrama at times in terms of the performances, and that mm. probably is the indication of TV and made-for-TV yeah, yeah. in the 70s. But I don't know, I think once you buy into it, buy into the story and understand what's at stake and the emotions involved, it wasn't like a distraction for me. Yeah. Phil, what did you reckon? I, I, I can see where you're coming from, Ash. I don't didn't feel it as much, but again, I think that's a lot of what you said, Wayne, partly it's a television movie. Yeah. But also, I'm used to a lot of these sort of period pieces, yeah. and World War One period pieces do very much have what we would call melodrama, mm. because... It's kind of how people acted back then. The melodrama was, ironically enough, one of the highest forms of theatre in that era. Okay. So uh, melodrama had been invented, I believe it was the early 1800s, maybe late 1700s. And it was actually, at its height, what with stage plays, um, a lot of the Victorian theatres, vaudeville was often seen, whilst it was comedy, it was still seen as a melodrama side of comedy. So a lot of people acted like that anyway. Okay. So you're saying, Phil, even though this is now filmed outside yes. of that era, yeah. to still give us that sense of era, they're performing as they would have back then. Is that kind of what you think? No. People behaved like that. People okay. were in themselves... 
it's a, similar to saying, you know, oh, a lot of Australian kids now have got Americanisms because of American TV. Yeah. People were influenced heavily by theatre of the day. By the stage. Because it was, by the stage, because it was melodrama. A lot of people did have a bit more of that heightened thought to them. Um, they had a lot of that heightened language. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, something that was steadfast 100%, but it was just like you have different accents, just like you have different language at different times of uh, history, people had a bit more of that sort of Victorian hypedness, which we would now uh, identify as melodrama. Yeah. The only time I really noticed it, and that was early on in the film, was when the boys are at the hospital bed of Franz when mm. he's dying. And that's when I just thought it was just a little bit heightened mm. there. In saying that, that very scene, that beautiful heartbreaking repetition about find my watch, find mm. my watch, mm. absolutely destroyed my soul. Yeah. Like it was heartbreaking and that's actually the scene that hooked me yeah, yeah. into this. We've also got to remember this is adapted from a book. Yes. A lot of the language in this is book language, written language. Well, I have to say, so throughout the film, it's mostly narrated by Richard Thomas's character, Paul. It's quite poetic. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, even though it is prose, obviously, because he's writing letters and or writing in his journal. Yeah. It's, it's very poetically written. Mm. It's quite beautiful, mm. I think. I loved the narration. The narration mm, was really beautiful. nice. And I'm very either here or there with being narrated to in films. It can go both either way for me. Yeah. This really helped it a lot. <coughs> like, I thought it was very personal. It was beautifully, mm. yeah, just beautifully written. Mm. And again, when you look at that sort of poetry, then for me, the style of performances, the way the cast is being directed... It ties in together for me. Yeah. Yeah. So the story itself then, going on from that, how do you feel the story itself affected you? Well, the story itself, I think it benefits by a having a protagonist and one who is identifiable. Yes. I like, yeah, I like that at the beginning there's essentially a roll call of who these characters are. Ash, how did you feel about that before I go Oh, man, I started laughing. Like, it just... In between each character, they're going down the trench. I'll set the scene. They're going down the trenches, one <laughs> soldier at a time. And in between each soldier, there's this little drum roll. It just kept going. Like this was about... I, I didn't time it, but it felt to me like it was about eight minutes of just introducing <laughs> it was these characters. Yes. Like it just kept on going. Now it got to like the third one and I started laughing. Now who's being, being melodramatic. Slash <laughs> <laughs> overdramatic, yeah. Uh, no, but you know, no, but it was, and yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, then that made me think about a film that we reviewed recently called Oh, What a Lovely War. Ah, yes. And one of my sort of critiques of it was that I didn't get to know any of the characters. Yeah. That it was so big and broad in scope, yeah. which I understand was the purpose, yeah. but I couldn't really attach myself to anyone. So I love that I'm being introduced to these characters. Yeah. Admittedly, I don't think that the story allows you to get too close to many of them, with the exception of Paul, really. Mm. But it didn't really matter. I knew who they were. When they were being talked about, I knew who they yeah. were. When we go to the flashback of Paul and Franz being put onto the train and you know that really sad farewell from the mother and stuff, mm. there is this investment in it. So 
I felt like in terms of being connected to the characters, mm. this was a really strong way of doing it as well. And Ernest Borgnon is again just absolutely yes, beautiful. Yes, like he's he a good. he's a powerhouse of a performer yes. in whatever he's done. And by this stage in his career, he's a seasoned professional. Yeah, and it shows who better to play this father figure to these gentlemen. And again, he does it so tenderly. Yeah, that's it. Know? It's so beautiful. It's yeah. not that. It's not that pure masculine thing no. that we're used to today. Where And he's the sort of actor, Philip, because I don't know if you know much of his no, career. No. He's actually played a lot of these masculine, gruff oh, really? roles. Yeah. You beautiful. Know? That's yeah. beautiful to know that he did this so well. Then. Yeah. He seemed like he was very invested in the soldiers' lives. So yeah, absolutely. Making sure they were okay. Making sure yeah. they were fed and yes. all this sort of stuff. Well, and, and then there's... Saying that, you know, they're kids. They're... And his character himself has children you know back home you know one where he doesn't want to acknowledge how many he has he jokes that he's happy and glad that he makes shoes for a living so he doesn't have to pay for all the shoes (laughs) for his children um so yeah you can definitely see this sort of father side Mm. whereas in most other war films or military films you see you know the drill sergeant or whoever's in charge of the corps absolutely bastardizing these guys as soon as their feet hit the ground so that was a lovely a lovely thing to see. And again, it was nice to see that range of masculinity being displayed and depicted in the film, especially a war movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how you compare Oh, What a Lovely War to All Quiet on the Western Front because yeah. I do believe they actually do the exact same thing in this opposite way. Yeah. So Oh, What a Lovely War makes it so you don't know. They're all called Smith. Yes, that's right. Everyone's called Smith. You're not meant to know who everyone is because that's meant to show this facelessness of war, this Mm. futility, this, you know, nobody's anybody. We all, you know, just a statistic. Whereas this does the exact same thing by going, hey, here's this person. He's got a name. He's got a... Oh, look, he's dead. Yes. One of the people we see who we've been following dies face down in a trench uh, in a crater and you don't even really get to see much else of that it's just all of a sudden yeah and it really pushes that you know the war just was indiscriminate the the battles were indiscriminate it just decimates these men that's it that's it you know and really boys yeah the boys yeah. Yeah. you know yeah it just absolutely decimates them yeah, you, uh, you see Paul got go from being a boy to a man by yeah, that movie yeah. but in the worst way that's right in the final act when he's just sort of sitting there saying about how many of his colleagues how they all sort of started together who's died who's missing in action yeah. and he's just sitting there you know cigarette writing like an old hand and it's yeah. been what four years yeah four yeah. years well and this is this is what it. a growth he... in four years to knowing knowing the war and knowing the timeline and knowing looking at the uniforms and stuff I was able to determine that he would have joined up in about 1915. So mm-hmm. the war's already been going about six odd months. Yeah. The old hands already... So Cat has already been there since, I reckon, 14 he would have been. Yeah. So Paul joined... If he's 19 near the sort of mid-film, that, I reckon, 1917. That means 17, he's 19... 18, he's about 17 when he joins. Yeah. Now, he talks to other soldiers who say they're 15, 16. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know... (laughs) It's like they show you them getting younger. Yeah. But not only that, on paper, one or two years, what is it? 
but for the newbies who land and you can see how sort of rigid and, yeah. and strict and sort of serious they take it, and I know that might sound silly, it's a war, you have to, yeah. but compare them to the guys who have been there for so long, yeah. the experience shows a lot of difference between, say, a 17-year-old or a 19-year-old yeah, versus a newly arrived, say, 16 yeah. or 17-year-old. Yeah. These men are maturing well ahead of their time yeah. um, because they need to. They have to. Yeah. yeah. Ash, I know you were wanting to speak a bit more about the story as well. Yes, I, I really, really enjoyed watching these boys become men. Yeah. As Wayne was saying before, every point that he just hit was every point that I was going to hit. Yes. Oh. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, like all in all, that was a phenomenal movie. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. What comes of that, though, is this piece that while it's very accurate, it's also misleading mm. so by the end of the war everyone feels that the, the war was still very stagnated right up to the end and they just sort of pitted out right but the war actually ended because the Germans made what was called the spring offensive which this year we actually commemorate okay they made leaps and bounds taking ground. They actually got only a few kilometers away from Paris. Wow. But their supply lines ran out. Now, this didn't happen all along the front. So this is why we have this. This is why we have soldiers like Eric who have said, you know, oh yeah, we were in the trenches because the vast majority still stayed on these trenches. But in the middle, the Germans sort of pushed through the lines and... Instead of trying to push the entire line down, they just went for the advances. So, yeah. oh, look, we've pushed through here. Let's put a load more men here. Yes. And so lots of soldiers still stayed on the front lines in these horrible conditions. But it was such a different... The war actually became a war of movement very quickly. And those scenes in the trenches as well and mm. in the little sort of bases that they create mm. provide, I think, a lot of the gravity to this film. That does again, reiterate and bring it home about how these are just ordinary men in this most extraordinary position. Like, my mindset, just as a general rule, and this is very general and sweeping, and I know it's a lot more complex than this in real life, but I tend to think there's no such thing as a bad guy in war. And I say that because... Think about the people who are fighting. Yeah, yeah. You know, we all love our countries. We all love our freedoms, the ideologies. We, you know, prescribe to them. That's why we live in the space that we live these ideologies, these politics, they clash with others. Our politicians are the ones who make these decisions. Yeah. And we follow suit. Yeah. And at yeah. the end of the day, we're the ones who fall by the wayside. We're all just trying to do what's right. And yeah. I think films like this, like Dust Boat as well, are important because yeah. people, Germans in this case, mm. of, of these wars, are always portrayed as these evil, horrendous men. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's all a rat cage. Yeah, yeah. These, these guys were German soldiers, weren't they? Yeah, Correct. Yeah, 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 I thought so. Yeah, well, it's good that you mentioned that, Ash, because this is one thing that I do have about historical pieces is when the performers keep their actual accents and don't adapt mm. uh, or adopt the accents of the characters they're playing. Yeah, I think Donald Pleasance was the only one who did that in this movie. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, and it was similar in um, Brian Singer's film Valkyrie as well, where everyone's yeah. got an American yeah. accent. That can be a bit hard to adapt yourself into. Once you accept it, though, and you know what nationality they are supposed to be, 
you're fine. You're in the world. But it always does throw me. Um, It was the same with The Boy in the Striped Pajamas as well. Such a beautiful, haunting film, but they all have British accents. So it just takes you out first. You have to go, okay, who are they? Who are these characters? Okay, done. They have in this tried, and I don't think they succeeded, but did try to keep a fairly neutral accent. A bit more uniform. A bit more uniform, a bit more neutral. I will agree here it didn't work. I believe in the 1930s version, Mm -hmm. they speak with very heavy German accents. Yeah. At first, the problem with that one is it does sound a little racist. Well, it can also seem like you're doing a parody or a caricature. It's a caricature would be the best, I think, description. Another thing about the, the book and this film, and not this particular version, but the original 1930s version. Yeah. It was banned in many countries, oh, including okay. Australia. All right, so why is this one of the films that was on our banned list? Um, essentially, any country that was mobilising for war would ban this. Uh, still to this day, if a country is mobilising for war and they are likely to ban yeah. books and movies and stuff, this is one of them because it is so anti-war. There is nothing pleasant about what this film shows. Yeah. I mean, and the last thing you want to do, again... Our politicians put us in war. That's it's it. everyday men yeah, and women who have it. to go. If you're encouraging this surgence of patriotism, you know, you're the good guys, they're the bad guys. Mm. You have to mobilize everybody, just like what I was saying. Yeah. So there are no bad guys because everyone's doing the same thing yeah. in their mindset. Films like this are dangerous. They're absolutely dangerous to a cause. Most certainly. I feel as though in war there is a bad guy. War itself. War itself, yes. absolutely. Yes. But yeah. even then, there was a US soldier in the Second World War who said, there is nothing good about war, but there's sometimes good in why we fight them. Yeah. In my history class, I remember one of my teachers saying, well, you know, the, diff- the time between World War One and World War Two, so that was like this awkward peace time. Mm. And he's like, peace is a great ideology, but it's not always a good thing because that's a lot of time that you spend building up your arms yes, and yeah. building up your army and your forces. And so it's, again, extraordinarily complex. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. one of the things to consider as well. It's like, are we just really always just waiting for the next battle? Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if we consider how many tensions, cold wars and hot wars are active at the moment, as we're commemorating Anzac Day today, mm. we still have Australians, New Zealanders and every other country in the world, I suppose, mm. you know, have their hands in a battlefield somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. This movie made me realize how bad war really is. Throughout the whole movie, Paul's character is refusing to smoke. Refusing. Like outright, not just saying no, but being like, no, dude, I do not want to do this. Please leave me alone. Like, almost that level. The last scene, he's smoking. It's almost... Yeah. It, well, again, it's almost like no, that yeah, yeah. he's succumbed to its fate. He's yeah. sort of given up on it. And exactly. I, yeah, and I know that we do generally as a rule and there's nothing stopping guys from giving spoilers we do do that I would like to refrain from giving a spoiler as to how this film ends oh I was about to run that one too that's okay no you're more than welcome to in saying that those who listened to our podcast review of Fortress Philip gave away the ending to this film (laughs) (laughs) so I did go into this film knowing how it would end because of you Philip shame on you but that's okay no no but based on that the ending is beautiful yeah and again i use that word very carefully Mm. but it's beautiful because paul sees the beauty there's a moment where he's reminded yeah the film comes full circle so yeah he's succumbed to the cigarette you know he's sort of a bit jaded i think very used to this but but he sees this beauty here he sees the beauty 
but spoilers but yeah go for it the ending shows that war is a destruction of all things good oh absolutely that's it because yes. whilst he sees this beauty it's still taken straight away it is and it has taken him away from the job at hand yeah him focusing on this absolute beautiful moment mm. has made him vulnerable yeah yeah and it's almost like you're appreciating the beauty of life. Yeah. Here you go, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. It is a remarkable way to, f- to end a film. Oh, most you certainly. Know? Most and I, certainly. And I feel like once you see the bird and him looking at the bird, I think you know what's going to happen. Yeah. It does not lessen the impact at all. No, no, no. Yeah, it no, is no, no. absolutely stunning. And then ending. to oh, end with... Yeah. yeah. And then to end with the telegram of All Quiet on Western Front, as yeah. if to suggest it was only later that day or yeah uh, you know funnily enough a few things about the actual war people fought right up until the last minute Mm. oh as you would yes there was a man court-martialed because he took a shot he was lining up the shot because he was being told keep firing keep firing he couldn't hear the cease fire yes and so he shot and parried and killed someone was then court-martialed and executed for that, mm-hmm. because he couldn't hear, because he was shooting his rifle. Yeah. But How horrible is that? Absolutely. But again, like I was saying, you're doing what you're ordered to do. The focus is these guys are the opponents, they're the opposition. That's it. They are going, you know, their victory yeah. is going to impact me, my family, my country. And because, you know, you're not really fighting for you. Mm. You're fighting for the ideology of what your country yes. stands for. That needs to be drummed into you yeah. to go through this extraordinary like, thing. I've always felt, though, that the war itself, while people can debate backwards and forwards whether how futile the First World War was. Or any, really. Or any, really. But it's those moments when you hear everyone knew the war was ending. It wasn't a rumour, it was... The official stuff had come out that yeah. on the 11th of the 11th, you cease fire. Yeah. On the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, you cease fire. People were given that about a week out and still they fought. There were generals who were sending men over as a, you know, oh, but we've got to get as much territory as possible and we've got to... Yeah. Just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Have a week of just... Go to the beach. <laughs> but do you know what, Phil? The smoko. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Paul, have your cigarette. <laughs> but no, but doesn't though, that it, once again, it reiterates, this is what's been drummed into you. Yeah. If you're fighting the most evil force on earth and both sides are seeing each other as the most evil force on earth, how do you just switch it off? No, that's it. You know, it's now ingrained into you. You've probably moved one meter forward, yeah. you know, in four years, but that is a progress. That is something that you yeah. have achieved for your side. I just can't imagine the psychological impact. I appreciate it's well documented and researched, yeah, 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 but, but I still you can't imagine it. I'm not going to pretend or insult no. anyone who's gone through it or yeah. going through it that I can even imagine yeah. just, just to switch it off. Yeah, yeah, because no, you're right, no, Phil. Definitely. If you've had all of that notice beforehand, you'd be like, wow, we can start to wind down. We can start to relax. There's no more need to take another life because it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. It's probably just a formality. But yeah. you're on this defensive because you're fighting this evil for your country. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Ash. Yes. What are your final thoughts and a score out of five? Final thoughts. This is a all-round great movie. 
it does exactly what it's supposed to do, which is portray war in a realistic light. Mm. And, and portray soldiers as realistic people, as real people. Beautifully shot, beautifully written. Special effects were on point for mm. the time. Mm. As I said, I could knock the, some of the performances. Mm. So all in all, I'd give this a 3.5 out of 5. Wayne? Yep, so Philip, I was wondering why you had brought a movie like this for our Anzac Day special, i.e. it's not from an Australian angle Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or anything like that. I was expecting, you know, Gallipoli or the like. (laughs) However, the idea that this film has been told from a German point of view and depicting the Germans in a certain way and talking about the French in another way, I think absolutely explains why you've brought this Mm. forward. Because at the end of the day, we're all human and all sides are valid and all sides are important and war was hell for everybody. Mm. I think that the journey that Paul goes through is quite extraordinary. There is this one scene that is incredibly touching, and that's when he injures a French soldier. Mm. And that man is suffering all through the night, and he's just like looking at him. And there's that complexity. Paul doesn't end his suffering then and there. He doesn't, you know, kill him to stop the suffering. He doesn't you know, allow him to suffer because he says, well, good suffer. Paul's not like that. He acknowledges, Mm. I'm now trying to help you. Mm. When he finally decides to do that after how many hours and he himself psychologically suffering by causing this pain, decides to do it. It's, you know, too little, too late. So again, just little moments like that Mm. bring home the complexity of human emotions, which I found really heartwarming and fascinating as well. Mm. Another scene that I liked was when the, German soldiers were over at the French girls' house. Yeah. <laughs> They'd gone and brought yes. food. Again, it's just that, like, it sort of stops that hatred of war and has yeah. this tender moment. Uh, and again, because you've got Germans and French. And French. Mm. Yeah. What was also good, and again, I'm going to go back to the displays of masculinity, it's almost like the expected gender performances are reversed there, yeah. where the men are subordinate. Yeah. To the women. The women take the lead. Yeah. You know, there is that really beautiful moment when the young woman that is with Paul pulls his blanket down a little bit, mm. almost like as this undressing as a yeah. man would do to seduce a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, moments like that just show the complexity and depth of characters. Yeah. And they're just little subtle things like that that just remind you that these are just human beings who want affection and, and to be loved and touched uh, as much as... Uh, a short period that will last for yeah um you know yes it all begins with just this ogling and <laughs> you know what we expect Women! yeah what we expect young men to, to to behave right or wrongly but we do but i just like the way that that progressed there was nothing callous or aggressive about what followed afterwards um, a little bit do you remember what they did to their mate there was three girls and four guys they just kept Feeding drinks into this other guy and kept telling him that he wasn't ke- uh, keeping up with the other guys you'll until note, he was unconscious. Yeah. You'll note that that bloke was the one who had originally wooed the women. Yeah. Food. yeah. <laughs> but that's just boys sabotaging yeah. one another. Um, again, it wasn't like a you know one nation against another. So. But that was, it was a civil war. Yes, it was. Um, and the thing is, that's just a lovely moment of humour. There are little touches of mm, humour mm. in a film like this. And again, you need that to remind yourself that you're human. Yeah. You know, you need that camaraderie. Yeah, you need to have a laugh. Yeah. And there is that moment when Paul's writing a letter to his mother and he just says essentially that, 
you know, the the battlefield feels more like home mm. than Germany does. And that's sad. Yeah. But it, again, is a testament to this camaraderie and mateship. So why wouldn't you throw your life on the line mm. for, for king and country? Yeah. 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 Overall, this is an absolutely stunning film. Again, there was a few things that sort of, you know, ticked me here or there, but it was incredibly effective. I was captivated from the get-go, and even when things slowed down a little bit, I was still heavily invested. Yeah. So I really enjoyed this. Four and a half stars for me. Yeah, Philip? Obviously, I'm someone who loves my war films, my my history films more so. I absolutely adored this film when I first saw it in the 1930s version, Mm. black and white version, and I fell in love with it more so when I actually saw this version. The black and white version can be a little bit more difficult to watch. It is a bit longer Mm -hmm. running. Um... And there's also just a lot of stuff where it's almost you've got to sort of assume you've uh, read the book in the 1930s version. So there's some prior knowledge or expected prior knowledge. But also you've got to also remember 1930s version. It wasn't that long ago that the war had actually happened. So, you know, maybe 10, 15 odd years beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So I very much love this film. It's actually... Watching it today made me realise there's so so there's another series that I really love. It's a ABC mini series mm. um, called The Anzacs. Yeah, it made me realise there's so much that that film that series sorry took from this book. There are scenes which are almost identical. For example, in All Quiet on the Western Front, there's a corporal who struggles to move forward and there's sort of a bit of backstory in it when you see it but he struggles to move forward and then this officer comes up and says what's going on and does the move forward I expected a line that didn't happen Hmm. and then I realised that the exact same scene happens in the Anzacs and the line is that the corporal hears this officer say come on guys move up and the corporal goes the order's to move up the orders to move up and he sort of gets sort of psychotic in this you know this is the only thing he can grab hold of because he's got this shell shock wow the scene is frame to frame exactly like it is in in All Quiet on the Western Front oh, so it's a lovely homage yeah that's it that's it yeah so what's um, your score out of 5 for this version? I would I have to give it a 5 out of 5 yeah. it, it for any history buff this is the quintessential First World War movie yeah it's a beautiful piece. It is absolutely gorgeous. It is amazing. Yeah, and thank you for bringing that to us. Yeah, You're most welcome. Incredible. That's all we have for today. Yeah. I just want to say quickly to those in the armed forces, a special thank you on this uh, special day of commemoration. Uh, thank you for your services to our country. Absolutely. And for sharing your stories as well, because it keeps those of us appreciative and in the know and hopefully encouraging peace yeah yeah so for this anzac day special edition of fred watch i've been a wayne stellini i've been a phil hunting and i've been an ashley hall and, and you've, you've just, just experienced, experienced fred watch cue music <laughs>
That's my job! That's not the theme, Ash. This is not a podcast called Fred. We don't have fun here. Let's see.